Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Scott Poling. Last weekend, what was it? Fourth of July. Woohoo! Celebrated our freedom, did we not? Lots of picnics and backyard barbecues and grilling out and a lot of fireworks. By the way, you know how many fireworks, you know what, what was spent just for July 4th by Americans? $1.5 billion was spent on fireworks. Only 10% by professionals. <laughs> of course, of course, here in Illinois, no fireworks were set off by private citizens because we know that's not permitted here. We, we know that. Everywhere in every neighborhood, boom, 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 the sound and celebration of freedom. Everyone was excited about our freedom, but not quite everyone. Across the pond, their enthusiasm waned just a little bit, okay? <laughs> now, now, it's true. It, it, it's true about a lot of things, okay? Not everyone is happy when most everyone is happy. And not everyone is joyful when most everyone is joyful. There, there's plenty of sour, cynical, critical, angry, bitter people out there. And those are the people that Jesus is teaching and trying to reach. They're sour, they're cynical, critical, angry, and bitter. Why? Because not everyone enjoys the fireworks of freedom or the fireworks of forgiveness. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, we're in the middle of a three-week mini-series. And we finish it up today. We've looked at the younger son, the prodigal. We've looked at the father and his incredible, gracious, incredible love. Today we come to the older son in the story of the prodigal son. Now, most of you know what's gone on. There's a kid basically who's gone off the rails. His life was a train wreck. Bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. He's made a mess of everything and he's in the pig pen, big sty of his life in a faraway land and he comes to his senses. And he says, I need to go home. I need to make things right. I need to go back to my father. And the father sees him and what does the father do? He runs and he embraces him and he kisses him, and he throws a party for him, and it's a celebration. But not everyone is happy that the young son has come home. And not everyone is happy that the father has had this kind of incredible response. And we pick it up in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 25. Luke 15, 25, read along with me. Now his older son was in the field when he came and approached his house, the house, and he heard music and dancing. He summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, your father's, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf and because he's received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I've been serving you and I've never neglected a command of yours and yet you've never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who's devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you've always been with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. 
and was lost and has been found. In many ways, it's the story of the father's love, and in many ways, it's the story of two brothers. And sometimes you and I were like that younger brother. And sometimes you and I were like that older brother. See, sometimes we're like the younger brother, and we have outward sin. We do things we know we shouldn't do, and we do them anyway. We rebel against our father. And whether it's disrespect or greed or running from what we know is right and best. Sometimes we act like that younger brother. Sometimes we act, though, like the older brother. It's not the outer sin that's the problem. It's the inner sin. Pride, anger, bitterness, jealousy, an attitude of looking down our noses at other people thinking we are better than them. It's the sin of self-righteousness. See, Jesus is speaking to self-righteous religious people who on the outside, they look really good. See, they're church-going people. They go to their religious services. And they love the word of God. They've memorized it and been taught it since they were little. But on the inside, they're full of sin. See, oftentimes the same may be true of you and me. On the outside, we look really good. We go to church, and we're involved in Bible studies, and we love the Word of God, and we sing worship music. Oh, but on the inside, we got some problems. There's bitterness, and there's anger, and there's jealousy, and there's greed, and there's judgmental looking down our noses at other people. There's the sin of self-righteousness. So what we want to do today is we want to identify self-righteousness. We're going to see what it looks like. We're going to see what it sounds like. Because I need to know in my own life, Lord, where is there the sin of self-righteousness? And so do you. And then we need to repent of it immediately. And so as we study the life of this older son, we're really looking in the mirror of our own lives and saying, God, would you work in my midst? Would you change me? Would you make me who you want me to be? We need to learn about self-righteous people. And the first thing we learn about self-righteous people is they're ignorant. They really don't know what's going on but they often assume they know what's going on. They really think they know what it's all about, but they don't know what it's all about. See, the older brother's been put in a full day's work out in the fields, honoring his dad, working hard, and the last time he saw his younger brother, this younger brother had abandoned the family, shamed his parents, broke their hearts, took the money and ran, and jeopardized his whole dad's estate. And now he's coming up to the house, and there's a party going on right here. A celebration to last throughout. Anyway, there's all kinds of music and dancing going on, and he's not even been told about a party, and he's still in his work clothes. And what in the world's going on? I haven't even got an invitation to this thing, and I live in this house. And so he asks his servant, what's going on? And he's told him, hey, your brother's come home. Your father's throwing a party for him. And this is all a shock to him. Why? Because he's ignorant. 
He doesn't have the context of what's been taking place. He doesn't know the change that has happened in his brother's life. He doesn't know about his brokenness, how humble he's been, repentance. He hasn't seen, witnessed the reconciliation between his dad that ran to the younger brother and wrapped his arms around him and kissed him. See, self-righteous people assume they know what they don't know. And they're quick to judge. They're quick to level accusations. Especially self-righteous religious people. Oh, we can be experts in this. We can look at somebody and know all about them. Yeah, I know what they're like. Oh, really? You don't know anything about the context. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what they've gone through. You don't know what they're going through. Be very careful not to be a religious, self-righteous expert. By the way, we don't know the work of God in someone's heart. We don't know their heart. Only God knows their heart. We haven't seen their tears. We haven't listened to their prayers. We haven't listened in on their conversations that they've had with other people. We, we haven't witnessed the brokenness in their private moments with their God. And the humility that they have experienced no matter what their past was. This younger son has been broken. He has changed. He's sincerely repentant. And by the way, people can change. And God can change people. Understand that. But self-righteous people, we tend to be cynical. They'll never change. I know what they're like. We've been down that road before. Dare not limit the power of God in someone's life to change them. We are not God. And God is all powerful. He is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. Do not limit the power of God in a person's life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Do not assume someone will always stay the same. When God gets a hold of them, everything can change. And this is true for me and this is true for you. It's called sanctification. It's a theological word meaning set apart as holy. And there is positional sanctification and progressive sanctification. Positional sanctification happens at the moment of salvation. The Lord sets us apart as holy. Progressive sanctification is growing in holiness and godliness all the days of our life. It's God never stopping working in us. And on us. He continues to work. It's Philippians 1.6. I'm confident of this very thing. That he who began a good work in you. Will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. God isn't done with Scott Pauling. And God isn't done with you. Praise God. He's still working on us. Till the day he takes us home to glory. So don't be cynical, don't be judgmental, don't be self-righteous. We've all heard the saying, be, before you judge someone, walk a mile in their what? Shoes. I like how Tony Sorensen puts it. Walking a mile in someone else's shoes isn't as much about the walk or the shoes. It's about being able to think like they think and feel what they feel and understand why they are and who and where they are. Every step is about what? Empathy, that means sensitivity, mercy, Care. 
Which brings us to our second point, self-righteous people are uncaring. The report is given that your brother is back, and this is great news, and your dad's killed the fatted calf, and everyone is celebrating, and he's come back safe and sound is the phrase we have here. Which is significant because they feared the worst. The little brother has been gone a long time. Maybe months. Maybe years. There's been no news of him. They're not even sure if the kid is still alive. I follow on Instagram the Grand Teton National Park. And there's updates weekly now on this guy. His name is Keon McLaughlin. He's from Ireland. He's 27 years old. And he hasn't been seen since June 8th, Tuesday, over a month ago. He was hiking a trail there. There's no sight of him. And I've prayed for him, and I hope he's alive. We just don't know. Can you imagine if they find him alive? The joy! The joy of those who've been looking for him, the joy of his family, the joy of his friends. Your brother has come home, and he's safe and sound. He's alive, older brother. So, there's no empathy. There's no sympathy. There's no mercy. He's safe and sound, doesn't even register, doesn't even acknowledge it. Maybe what would have registered with the older brother is if the servant would have said, your brother's returned and your dad smacked him across the face and has locked him out of the house and is demanding he pay back everything in restitution. And the older brother would say, good, he deserves that. Because self-righteous people are all about retribution, not reconciliation. Give them what they deserve. I don't care if they've apologized. Give them what they deserve. The Father's all about reconciliation. Self-righteous people, listen, don't focus on a person but on the problem. Self-righteous people, don't focus on relationship but retribution. They have a hard time getting past sin. You got a hard time getting past someone else's sin? I got news for you. Why don't you just look in the mirror? And just remember something about yourself and how gracious God has been to me and how gracious God has been to you. Self-righteous people are ignorant, oftentimes uncaring, and they're angry. Ooh, they're angry. Verse 28, he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father had to come out and plead with him. And so this stands in stark contrast to the father's joy running and embracing and kissing the young son and clothing and forgiving and loving and throwing a party stands in stark contrast to the older son's anger. So I have to ask of myself, and maybe you need to ask of yourself, is there more anger in our life or more joy in our life? Especially in the context when someone has hurt us, sinned against us, and they've apologized but you're still angry about it and you won't let go of that anger. And I understand there are times in our life where we need to be angry and should be angry. And we can, we can acknowledge the pain that we have gone through, but be very, very careful of anger. We have the story of two other brothers in the book of Genesis where God's word to Cain went unheeded. And it was not good. In Genesis 4, concerning their sacrifices that they brought, Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Maybe that's what God is saying to some of us today. 
why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, if you just do what's right, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Just do what is right in your life. Just stop looking at everybody else and what they're doing. You just do what is right in your life. What does God want you to do? Do what is right and don't let that, that anger sit there and fester. You better master that anger before it masters you. And be careful. Ephesians 4, 26 and 7 says, be angry. There are times to be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Deal with this ASAP immediately before it's too late. And do not give the devil an opportunity. He'd love to take this thing and explode it and destroy more. Deal with your anger before it gets worse. And James 1.19 tells us, Yes, you know, my beloved brethren, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Quick to hear. Scott, shut your mouth and listen. And be slow to speak. And slow to anger. Why? Because the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Do you know what that means? If you do something and you're angry, more than likely you're going to do the wrong thing. And if you say something when you're angry, more than likely you're going to what? Say the wrong thing. So you're really angry at your husband or you're angry at your wife and you're about to talk to them? Time out. You better not talk to them. Because you're going to say the wrong thing. You're angry at your parents and you're going to talk. What? You better be careful. You're, you're angry and you're going to talk to that coworker. Uh-uh. Quick to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. He's angry. Why is he angry? Because this isn't right and this isn't fair. My rotten little brother wasted everything, doesn't deserve anything, and he gets a party. Once again, he doesn't have the full story. He hasn't seen the brokenness, repentance, reconciliation. And honestly, he doesn't care. Because self-righteous people really don't care. And he's angry at his dad. This is crazy. You've been way too kind. This is outrageous. This is foolish. Dare we say your kind of love is reckless. Overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. You know, God's love really does seem reckless at times. The way he pursues sinners and undeserved grace that he just pours out time and time again. And this extravagant, over-the-top kind of love that he, that he continues to show for people. Now, we know God's love is perfectly planned. But you can see why it might appear reckless to some. Like the older brother. He's angry and he's pouting. It says here, verse 28, he's not willing to go in. I'm not going in. I'm going to sit out here and pout and feel sorry for myself, and I'm not going to partake in any singing and any dancing and any party for my brother. He's not even willing to go in and say hi. He's not even willing to go in and say, glad you're safe. He's not even willing to say anything. See, self-righteous people don't like a party. Unless it's for them. 
and about them and on their terms and with their approval. Then they're okay with the party. And how ironic that the outsider, the young brother, has become the insider. And the insider, the older brother, has now become the outsider. That's the difference in power of humility or pride. It'll either make you an insider or an outsider before God Almighty. See, the one who is humble is brought close to the Father and brought in. The one who is proud has now been shut out. And now he's distant from his God. Same thing happens today. There are people today that were distant from God and because they've been humble to God, they are now close to God and close to the people of God. And there are people who in their pride once were close to God and his people. Now they're no longer close to God and they don't even gather with his people at all. It's the difference between humility and pride. Self-righteous people though, you know what? They can't stop a party even if they wanted to. They can't stop the party no matter how bad their attitude, no matter how bad their temper tantrum. Why? Because God is changing lives and changed lives need to be celebrated. And God is to be worshipped. And it doesn't matter about any self-righteous, egotistical person and what they think. And so big brother, come in and worship. Big brother, come in and celebrate. Big brother, enter into the joy of the work of God. Why? Because the party's not about you. The party is about God. The celebration is about God. The worship is about God and what he's doing in people's lives. You just wonder if that self-righteous brother with a scowl on his face and his arms crossed, sitting outside pouting, would look over once in a while to see if he could see in the window. What are they doing in there? Oh, that ungodly gyrations dancing. You just wonder if he would listen in. What's that music they're playing? Ugh, I don't like that. Criticizing the singing, the dancing, the celebrating. See, he's convinced. He's convinced that this celebration is not right. Ha. Huh. But the father knows it is and says it is, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters is what the father says. And so the son is pouting and the father is pleading. It says the father comes out and pleads with him. Pleading is continual. It's repeated. It's not a single request. And what a picture we have of God. Remember, the father is God. What a picture. The same father who runs to one son is the same father who pleads with the other son. He runs to the rebel on the outside who is broken over sin and wraps his arms around him. And he pleads with the rebel on the inside full of self-righteousness. Saying, what are you doing? Come into the celebration and the party. So for some of us today, I believe God is running to you. Because you've been broken over your sin today or this past week or this past month. And you're still broken. 
And you just need to know God is holding you and he loves you. You just need to know that. He's forgiven you. And for some of you, he's pleading with you. What are you doing? Stop acting so judgmental toward people. Deal with that bitterness in your heart, that anger. It's not worth it. And come to the party. Let go of your self-righteous attitude. Because I am the sovereign, gracious God who will forgive who I want to forgive and save who I want to save and restore and bring back people from sin and shame. And God is saying, party with me. Let's celebrate. The younger son's return has been so revealing. It, it reveals his heart of repentance. It reveals the father's heart of grace and love. And it reveals the older son's heart of hatred. Yes, hatred. He is a rebel on the inside. It's kind of like the boy in the chair. I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. That is self-righteous inner rebellion. Self-righteous people are ignorant and uncaring and angry. And if that's you or that's me, we need to repent, repent, repent. Fourthly, self-righteous people are just plain selfish. We see this in the answer that he gives to his father. He gets the news back from the servant and then he says to his father, look, for so many years I've been serving you. I've never neglected a command. You never have given me. The... It just goes on and on. We see selfishness is seen in four different ways. The first one is disrespect. This disrespectful tone toward his father. Look you. And his disrespectful attitude toward his brother. This son, he doesn't even name the son. Selfishness is next seen not only in disrespect but also pride. Look what he says. For so many years I've been serving you. You know what that is? You owe me. You owe me, dad. I've been putting in my time and I've been busting my backside. You owe me. Remember, the father is a picture of God. God owes us nothing. Don't you dare demand anything from God. He has been over the top gracious with us in giving us physical life. We have breath in our lungs. He's been over the top gracious in giving us abundant life and eternal life. He owes you, he owes me nothing at all. Now, notice something telling about the older brother's service. Self-righteous people serve out of obligation, not out of love. He's been serving out of obligation. You owe me, God. I'm doing this because I want something from you. Don't be trying to make deals with God. This is just heartless duty. He wants to know what he can get out of it. So here's the question. Why do I serve God? What's my motive? Why do I preach? Do I preach because I've been called by God and gifted by God and I love God? Do I preach because I love his people and I want to shepherd them? Why do I do what I do? It's a question for you. Why do you serve God? Oh, let's step back a minute. You do serve God, right? You do serve God, right? You, you wouldn't be a spoiled, rotten son who just thinks they can come into the house of God and say, it's all about me. You, you are serving your father, right? You, you are, right? 
you understand he's gifted you for service and you're using your spiritual gifts, right? You do understand fruitfulness. He's called us to bear fruit and bear it abundantly. And some soil bears 30 and some 60 and some what? 100 fold. So how much fruit are you bearing in your life, brother? Why do you serve him? Why do you usher? Why do you teach? Why do you play? Why do you sing? Why do you greet? Why do you give financially? Why, why do you serve God? Why do we do what we do? Is it because we want something from God? Out of obligation? Or because we love him and love his people? Something more telling is that this self-righteous service of the older brother teaches us that we can look good on the outside and harbor a lot of hatred and bitterness and jealousy on the inside. He's been faithfully serving his dad. But all of a sudden we see this erupt from, he just gets poked right and it just comes out. See, we got to make sure the inside is clean. Matthew 23 to the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus said, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful. Inside you're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you're full of hypocrisy lawlessness. And then we see the height of his pride. The height of his pride is, is seen in his view of self. What does he say? I've never neglected a command of yours. Oh, please, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> this is the never disobedient son being completely disobedient, refusing to come in and celebrate. <sighs> Do you know what we learn about self-righteous people? Self-righteous people are self-deceived people. They don't even realize how much sin is in their heart. They don't even realize how sinful they are. They don't realize the depth of their depravity. They are blind to this. They're blind to this inner attitudinal sin. And for some of us, maybe today, we've been blind to it. And the word of God is now bringing it to the surface. And you and I are starting to see just how bad we've been. And you need to repent of that sin, older brother. You need to turn from it. He's been believing he's been better than anybody else. That's self-righteousness. I don't do what they do. I don't act like they act. I don't say what they say. It's all about them instead of looking in the mirror. So what happens here, it's, it's just this outward conformity that really disguises his inward reality of his sinfulness. It misses his heart. Understand something, God wants my heart, not outward conformity. God wants your heart, not outward religiosity. Where are you in your heart with God? Are you really walking with him? Are you really loving him? Are you really serving him? God isn't interested in the outward. He wants the inward. Give God your heart, child of God. Mark 7, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it's written, this people honors me with their lips. Their heart is far from me. Give 
God your heart. Selfishness is seen in disrespect, pride. It's also seen in bitterness. You've never given me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Accusing his father of being unfair, accusing him of playing favorites. He gets the steak, I get a cheeseburger. What's up with that? I don't want no goat. Give me that big old calf. He gets a backyard barbecue for everyone. I've never got a party with my friends. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got a party. It's called a pity party. You're partying it up, buddy. You're just feeling sorry for yourself. And by the way, none of this is true. His father has not been unfair. His father has not been playing favorites. The problem is, all he can do is think about himself. The problem, here's the problem. My feelings are hurt. My feelings are hurt. That's the problem. Man, what, be careful your feelings. Be careful. He's not dealing with the facts. It's all about his feelings and how he feels. We live in a world of feelings. Who cares how you feel? What are the facts? And I, I know that doesn't sound very empathetic. Yeah, I know. But get over yourself and your feelings. What are the facts? Deal with the facts. Because if you're not dealing with that, you're just emoting instead of reasoning. And, and you're just reacting instead of thinking. Make sure you have the facts. This guy does not have the facts. His father has not been unfair. Understand that. His father has not been playing favorites. And he'll explain that in a little bit. And what makes it worse is he starts the comparison game. Well, he has this and I have that and he has this. And don't go to the comparison game. Stop it. And next we see selfishness is seen, fourthly, in his slander. Disrespect, pride, bitterness, and now slander. Look how what he says about his, old, his younger brother. When this son of yours came, he's devoured your wealth with prostitutes. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where'd this come from? He's making totally unfounded assumptions about his younger brother. There's no evidence of prostitutes anywhere in the entire text. None whatsoever. See, self-righteous people are shameless when it comes to talking about other people. And they can share the gory details of someone else's sins. Even if they've never committed those sins. They'll tell you about so-and-so's husband. And -and so-and-so's wife. And that co-worker in the cubicle next door. Can you believe their children and what their children said and how their children acted? Stop your self-righteous slanderous sin. Absolutely disgusting. You don't even know what's really going on. And if you cared to know, you would talk to that person individually. In a caring way and say, how can I help you? How can I pray for you? I've heard about this. Is this true? If you're not willing to talk to a person individually, but you're willing to talk behind their back, you are in sick sin. Just to let you know that. And you're self-righteous. Here's a good reminder Jesus gives us in Matthew 7. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. Ooh. Stop right there. Jesus said, you will be judged the way you judge others. Your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. This is a promise from Jesus. Understand that. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Self-righteousness just stinks. You ever been driving behind a a manure spreader? I was the other day. Oh, it was a beautiful thing. Whew, stunk so bad. Unbelievable how bad it stinks. That is the smell of self-righteousness. So some of us today, we need to check on uh, the pits and see if we have some SRRO, self-righteous religious odor. Because maybe some of us today have come into this place and we stink. And it's time you get cleaned up. Deal with the bitterness, the judgmental spirit, pride, slander, all of those things. Be done with it. Self-righteous people, ignorant, uncaring, angry, selfish, they're ungrateful. Verse 31, the father speaks. What does he say? Son, you've always been with me. And all that is mine is yours. Do you notice how gentle and kind the father is toward both sons? The inner rebel as well as the outer rebel. Both of them. He's kind. And by the way, the word that he uses for son here is a different word for son. This is a a word, a term of endearment. It's with deepest affection that he says son. The affection one has for a child or a grandchild. My grandkids just left. Ooh. I just love these kids. I can't get enough of them, playing with them, holding them, just wrestling with them, everything. It's the affection. It's what father, the father shows for this older son in spite of his harsh disrespect. And this is what he says, two things. You've always been with me. What does that mean? The father's grace and love toward one doesn't diminish his grace and love toward you. You, don't, you may not think God shouldn't be showing so much grace and love to them. Does God know what they did? That's not fair. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. His grace and love toward them doesn't diminish his grace and love toward me or toward you. And then he says, all that is mine is yours. What does that mean? Well, you have to go back in the context of Luke chapter 15 when we started this message back, to, back in 11 and 12 of Luke 15. When he divided the wealth between them. The younger son comes, give me my share, and the father says, I will give it to you and the older son. And he divides the wealth between them. What does that mean? Well, the younger son received his share of the estate. But the older son also received his share of the estate. And by the way, the older son in the, in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, got a double portion. So the older son gets two-thirds of everything. The younger son got one-third. Do you know what that means? That means the older brother is loaded. Everything is his. The house is his. The fields are his. The cattle are his. Everything is his. He owns it. The father gave it over to him. The father has access to it for security, but it's all the older brothers. He gave it to him. Why is he worried about a robe and some sandals and a ring and a big meal? Because self-righteous people are greedy, ungrateful people. They're greedy. And they're ungrateful. The younger son is just grateful for what he doesn't deserve. The older son is ungrateful for what he has. And he deserves more. That's self-righteousness. 
Lastly, self-righteous people are party poopers. This is a deep theological term from the Greek, meaning parte pouper. Okay, so there you go. Verse 32, the father says, we had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. He was lost and has been found. He says, we have a moral obligation to worship. We have a moral obligation to celebrate life change and give thanks and party. Why? He was dead, he's now living, he was lost and he's been found. Life change calls for celebration, not condemnation, not cynicism, not criticism. Notice here that self-righteous people are joyless people. Not much joy. Why? Because they're focused on themselves. They're not focused on life change and what God is doing. See, start looking for lives that are being changed. You'll be filled with more joy. Start rejoicing in lives that God is changing. Start hanging around people whose lives God is changing. And start being involved in seeing people's lives changed. And you'll start to be filled with joy. Maybe you're not as joyful as you should be. Let me ask you a couple questions. When's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? When's the last time you led somebody to Jesus and saw a life changed? When's the last time you started a Bible study with someone to teach them, help them grow in their life's change? When's the last time you mentored a young person, one of our students, just to befriend them and help them grow in the Lord. Life change brings joy. And so we got to get out of ourselves and get out of our own way and say, God, use me. Would you pray that even right now? God, I've been too consumed with myself. God, would you help me be about life change? Would you help me celebrate lives that are changing? Would you help me help people's lives that are to be changed? Start being about life change. No more pouting and complaining and questioning and judging and robbing ourselves of joy. And by the way, refusing to rejoice over a brother affected his relationship with the father. Refusing to rejoice over life change affects our own lives and our walk with our father. And then the story ends, and there's no closure. We're, we're just left hanging. We're never told, what does this older brother choose to do? Does he stay there? <clears throat> Walk away? Go back out in the field? Does he start to make his steps toward the house and then turn? Does he open the door? and go in and hug his younger brother? We're not told. Why? Because you and I are the older brother. Are we gonna pout and complain and judge and criticize? Or am I gonna repent and come to the party? I want to encourage you, go to the party. Self-righteous people, 
ignorant and uncaring, angry and selfish, ungrateful, parte poupers, don't be them. <laughs> Let's have a time of prayer for all of us. So just bow your heads. And for you who are believers, just talk to the Lord right now. Where has God revealed any area of self-righteousness in my heart and your heart? Would you just confess that to the Lord right now? Would you ask God to use you in someone's life? To not judge others so quickly. To serve him not out of obligation, but out of love. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You're here today without the Lord as your Savior. That's where the party starts. There is a God who loves you and will forgive you of all your sin. Would you call on him right now to save you? And you may say, Scott, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I know I need forgiveness. In the quietness of your heart right now, would you sincerely call out to God? Just use words like these, Lord, I need you. Would you please forgive me of all my sin? Would you please save me from all of my sin? Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me that much. Lord, I repent. I turn from my sin. And I place my faith in you alone to save me. I place my faith in you. I can't save myself. Please forgive me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning, or would like more information about Harvest's new beginnings, visit at harvest.church.